Hey all, thank you for tuning into Women Birders Happy Hour. My name is Hannah. I'm a birder, a woman, and someone that enjoys a good drink after a long day of birding. Women have been integral to birding since it started, but we haven't always been recognized for the contributions and impact we have. Men have dominated the guiding scene, festival circuit, leadership positions, and publications. And according to a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service 2011 report, in the U.S., there were over 47 million birders. The majority of these birders are college-educated, they are white, they are women, and mostly are over the age of 55. And if you put all these factors together, we create the typical birder, a white, college-educated woman over the age of 55. And that's a demographic that I often see out birding, but I don't as frequently see as a speaker, a guide, or a sole publisher. Additionally, the voices of all women, BIPOC, and LGBTQ plus birders are not well represented in the birding voices we hear from. So I created this show to bring in more voices. Not to say that some of the regular festival keynotes aren't great, but there is room for others. And on the show, I'm asking everyday women from all walks of life to join me to discuss their experiences, their resources, and advice that they have for others. And I want you to remember that just because you may not have experienced some of these things, like sexism or gatekeeping, doesn't mean that they aren't real issues that others face. And because some of these conversations are best had over a cocktail or a mocktail, I also create a unique cocktail for each guest in case you want to mix yourself a drink and join us for this chat. Nitu is a passionate teacher, photographer, and birder, and she advocates for sharing of knowledge in all communities that she's a part of, as well as being a good teacher for beginners. So the Himalayan model is a pheasant native to the Himalayan forests and shrublands. The adult males are a rainbow of colors with multicolored plumage and a wiry crest, while the females are a mottled brown with a white throat patch and peaked crest. Their range extends from Afghanistan and Pakistan through the Himalayas into India, Nepal, Tibet, and Bhutan. And they feed primarily on plant matter like tubers and nuts, but insects and other invertebrates do make up a small percentage of their diet. And they can be found in an open coniferous and mixed forests with an understory in steep valleys. And they roost in trees and will migrate vertically among these valleys, lower elevations in the winter and higher in the summer. Their courtship involves the male fanning his tail, drooping his wings, and displaying in front of the female. And they also will do display flights to show off their incredible amazingness. And they nest on the ground under something like a bush where they'll lay three to five eggs. After about a month, the chicks hatch. And the biggest issue that they have is with poaching because that crest is valuable as it's thought to bring status and a symbol of authority. So here's how you make your Himalayan model. What you'll need is an ounce of light rum, four ounces of orange juice, an ounce of grenadine, and an ounce of hypnotic. Your directions are to pour in the rum and then pour in the grenadine, pour in the hypnotic, and then top it off with the orange juice. And hopefully if all works out well, you've striated it somewhat and you'll get beautiful coloration much like the Himalayan model. And this drink is best enjoyed in the morning to pre-funk before going out to look for a Himalayan model, or if you don't want to drink in the morning, as a treat in the afternoon after finding one. So please join me in learning more about Nitu.
Okay, well, I'm so excited to welcome Nitu Das with me on this podcast. Please, would you tell everyone about yourself? Hi, Hannah. Uh, my name is Nitu Das, and I was born in Guwahati, uh, which is a state in Assam. It's one of the easternmost states in the country of India. And I left um, home a long time ago for my higher studies. I came here to Delhi. And I never really went back uh, to Guwahati after 1994, I think. And um, so here, I'm I'm still here. I teach here, I work here. And I, um, I work as a literature and sometimes as a cinema and photography teacher in a women's college, uh, which is affiliated to the University of Delhi. So my day job is that of a teacher. <laughs> So tell me about your birding origin story. Um, okay. Um, I've always loved watching birds. Uh, the women in my family, um, my mother, my aunts, uh, they were constantly, when I was growing up and I was a child, they were constantly looking at birds, pointing them out to me, identifying them in Assamese, which is my first language. Um, and I got into serious birding sometime in um, 2009-2010. Uh, this is when I bought my first uh, very basic uh, DSLR. And at that time, I used to stay on campus. You know, the college where I teach has, I mean, we have this lovely campus. And I started photographing the birds in my neighborhood. Um, and uh, this, my campus is... Uh, in a very bird-rich area. It's um, it's near the Yamuna River and it is next to the Kamla Nehru Ridge, which is uh, very close to the University of Delhi. And we have lots of wonderful resident birds and we have old fruiting and flowering trees. So the birds kind of uh, feast there. So, um, so these were the early years, 2009, and I was I had this wonderful time photographing all the birds in my neighborhood. Uh, we also get uh, migratory birds in the winter because they use the stretch near the river, near the Yamuna River, as a kind of migratory route for uh, you know the various places to go to in the winter months. So we have this resident birds and we have this visitor birds. Um, a wonderful space to start birding. So that's my uh, origin story. But I also use uh, a lot of bird imagery in my own writing. So when I started bird watching, I I was actually trying to look at the connections between the way I use language and and how I could bring those ideas into uh, you know find connections between bird watching and language because that's my primary job. You know trying to think about language, trying to think about how words work. Yeah. That's my origin story. <laughs> well, so that, <laughs> I'm so grand when you put it that way. <laughs> well, it's great. So you're a poet as well, correct? Yeah, I, I slightly embarrassed using the word poet for myself, but yeah, I write poetry. <laughs> cool. So what does a day of birding look like for you? Um, my primary job, my day job, my teaching takes up a lot of my time. It's it's a lot of uh, drudgery most of the time. So um, I can't bird every day, sadly. So I have to wait for holidays, vacations, weekends. But even weekends are very busy, actually. 
um, a normal day of birding would start at dawn, like, you know, all birders know that, and continue till evening. I carry my um, my charm, which is a lucky hat. It's, very, it's a very, very old hat. It's fraying at the edges. A pair of binoculars. I wear sturdy shoes because, again, you know, birders know it. Birding <laughs> involves a lot of walking. Um, I try to be mindful. I look at the flowers. I look at the clouds. Sometimes I even draw them uh, when uh, the birds are not around or the birds are scarce. Birding downtime means that you know I take out my notebook, I write down things, uh, doodle a little. I also have to be very careful when I'm out birding because I have uh, very photosensitive skin. Uh, so it's like a kind of sun allergy, uh, which um, kind of I break out in a rash if my skin is exposed to the sun uh, to the sun. So I have to be very, be very, very careful. I have to cover myself. I have to wear a hat. I have to wear, and I have, I have to cover myself. So yeah, that's what a day of birding looks like for me. Looks like for me. So um, when you go out and go birding on, you know, wherever you'd like to go, is that like a drive away or is it nearby? See, Delhi is very um, bird rich. It's a, it's a birding hotspot. You know. Um, it is, uh, it's a city, of course, but it is, um, it's uh, for a city, it has very rich uh, urban bird life. So like I told you, you know, uh, my, my workplace is in the med- middle of the city, but there were all these birds that I could see every day. And um, so, yeah, I don't really, if I need to bird, like if I feel the need to bird right away, I can just go uh, out and start birding. But I also like um, to travel. I love traveling. So so yeah, um, if I can see new birds in a new place, so much the better. Um, there are lots of wonderful birding places, uh, which is just like a few hours away from Delhi. So I do that once in a while. Well, that's like I said, I, my, my life is very busy, but my, my primary job takes up a lot of my time. Well, that's awesome, though, that you have those birding spots that are real close to you that you can just, you know, walk outside your office, I imagine, and see some great things. Yes, that's, I think that's a blessing. So who or what do you think has been the most influential thing in your birding? Um, most Indians would say uh, Dr. Salim Ali. Uh, uh, he, um, I mean, I read a lot of his uh, books uh, growing up. And even though, uh, you know, stuff that he did, the, the naming, the I- identification, the taxonomy that he worked on seems uh, rather dated now. Uh, but his life is inspirational. I, I love, I love uh, the way he writes. I love the way he thinks about birds. Um, I also love reading the work of poets who write about nature and wildlife. Uh, poets like Mary Oliver, Alice Oswald. Closer home, I like the work of uh, this poet, um, uh, Arun Kolatkar. You know, he has this lovely poem called The Butterfly. It's one of my favorite poems. It's a tiny little thing, but it's so perfect. You should, you know, perhaps look it up. It's a lovely little poem. Yeah, so I, um, yeah, there's other other kinds of um, books, uh, writers that I love to read uh, around birding. Yeah, that's awesome. Thanks for the recommendation. I'll definitely check that out. So what has been your experience as a woman birder? Mm, uh, when I started birding, um, there were very few people from 
um how should i put it you know people who um who came from backgrounds who uh, perhaps i would say you know disadvantaged backgrounds uh, uh if you think about gender or class or in india caste um and, and uh, so i didn't really see uh, too many borders from such spaces occupying you know uh, or or uh, being given um that kind of space in in public arenas um i did find fellow travelers um soon enough and people were helpful too but uh, there was always a sense of uh, being a kind of an outsider you know always uh, feeling um i don't know uh, i sometimes felt that birding is led by powerful and privileged people and and there was this niggling feeling of always being an outsider also i had to navigate these issues you know it's it's just something that one had to deal with so um how do you feel that we can be more supportive of beginners and you know try to bring folks from different communities into the burden mm-hmm. community yeah i think um like i said you know um many people did not have access to uh, to birding because birding is it requires uh, some kind of investment and it needs capital of some kind right you need money to travel you need money for equipment you need money for a good bird guide um so uh, i think the uh, you can support beginner birders especially if they come from you know spaces which uh, would not allow them access to uh, birding um one should not really um, first you know you shouldn't talk down to beginner birders you know there would be tons of maybe ideas and and i've seen this i've seen how experienced birders sometimes uh, laugh at uh, newbies sometimes mock them and and it shouldn't be seen as an you know as a kind of opportunity to humiliate the beginners you know it's uh, if you're birding in a group the newcomer should be made to feel welcome uh, sometimes one can share equipment maybe bird guides books i mean uh, it could also be seen you know this kind of sharing can be seen as a kind of um what a gesture of goodwill maybe even a gesture of um, encouragement yeah i think that's that's great you know great suggestions of what we all can do so you are a photographer and a writer and teacher and all that um do you feel that you found your place in the birding community <laughs> um actually uh, you know i uh, i prefer birding alone and um uh, i uh, i'm sometimes accompanied by my partner my friends but but they aren't birders so and and they are distracted by things that are of more significance to them um i do have a community of birders i can reach out to um when i feel the need to do that like if i need recommendations for places to stay at or um, suggestions for um you know if i'm going to a new place and i need someone who can help me out show me the routes etc or or just tell me the exact spot where i'm a site a particular bird you know so i do have that kind of community um you know help from people if i want to reach out to them uh but i like i'm i'm a birding loner and i like being uh, and i'm happiest when i bird alone uh about finding a place in the birding community i think i'm not really 
interested in 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 being a part of that in i don't know i don't want to be a part of a crowd you know like all um, you know wherever we go there will be cliques so i don't want to be part of any clique um a kind of peripheral um a community that is peripheral to my main agenda is something that works for me yeah that makes sense um <laughs> uh, so what has been your most memorable bird or birding experience um i've had several memorable sightings uh, i remember the first time i saw the himalayan monal uh, this was a sighting that happened in chopta it's uh, a place in uttarakhand one of the states in india and uh, it's it's a sighting that stays with me you know i saw two males two himalayan monals and uh, it was a dark foggy morning uh, but but the two uh, birds they kind of shone you know they, they they were shining like precious stones and even though everything was dark around them and i could hardly see anything else i couldn't see the vegetation i couldn't see anything around them they they were shining you know sparkling in the dark so that's something i remember and i don't have good photographs of that experience but it's it's just etched in my memory um another chopta uh, memory is of this woman i met <clears throat> i was coming down from a trek uh, there is a peak called chandrashila it's a, it's a it's an easy trek and i was coming down um and she was selling uh, rhododendron juice and she saw me um i was carrying my binoculars and she uh, and she said uh, may i use them and i and i gave them to her and um she took them and she aimed them at a um, this this distant mountain and i asked you know what what are you looking at and she said my my mother stays there i can you know i i wanted to know whether i could see her uh uh with your binoculars and and it's, it's a feeling you know when i think about that encounter it's i i get this i don't know fuzzy little feeling you know something warm something fuzzy and it stays with me um i've had several memorable leech experiences you know crawling up my legs uh, i'm sure you you've had leech experiences too so so that's something nice i know it sounds nightmarish but fun 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 birding experience for me what about your yeah, experiences <laughs> well when we went to borneo um you know i we were there for maybe 2 weeks um throughout you know kind of the whole region mm -hmm. and i had seen the whole leech thing and i bought leech socks and i was like prepared you know but then we hadn't seen any leeches the whole time and we we're um one day we were birding down uh, mount kinabalu and i mm. just felt something crawl up my leg and oh my gosh i just <laughs> cringed and like died inside <laughs> a little bit oh <laughs> yeah <Alicia>. uh. <laughs> <laughs> um so where is a place that you think every birder should try to go um chopta i love uh, where the place where i saw the himalayan monals for the first time i i saw them in bhutan as well but uh, chopta is a place i love and then uh this pangod uh they both chopta and pangod are in um the state of uttarakhand uh there's a place called chitpul in himachal pradesh it's another place i really love i love birding in bhutan this was in 2018 and um 
it was an extraordinary experience you know boarding in bhutan i had a leech experience there as well uh, but yeah uh, these are the places i uh, really love and i think about boarding and i think about you know uh, the memories i have associated with these places um i would love you know if someone i like a birder i like would also um you know experience my well, you know my experiences that would be nice yeah and i think that's one of my favorite things about burning is sharing all these places you know to go and <laughs> that are off the beaten track and like birds that you think you'd never see before, like your yeah. Himalayan model. I mean, I would love to see that. It's just such a fascinating looking bird and yeah, it's beautiful. just too many colors, <laughs> too many sparkly, like, you know, um, too many sparkly colors, lots of bling. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what changes would you like to see in the birding community? Um, yeah, so um, this is something that I uh, am kind of passionate about, even um, in my, in even in my job as a teacher, which is uh, more helpful sharing of knowledge and less gatekeeping. And um, you know, knowledge has traditionally—I mean, I don't really need to say this—but it has traditionally been the preserve of those who could afford to have access to it, right? So um, the idea of sharing, uh, kindness towards new learners, um, uh, less perhaps you know invasive or intrusive intervention in local practices, um, and attempt to use indigenous knowledge, um, you know, or you know knowledge systems. I think for birding, for example, you know now uh, recently I've um, I want to know the names of Assamese birds. So, so that's something that I want to work on so that, you know, I have this greater sense of connect with uh, my past, uh, my first language. Also, maybe uh, stop thinking about birding in, in English all the time. Uh, that's something that I would uh, like to see. Like to see in my own life, maybe not so much in the birding community, but in my own life. Yeah, that's really interesting. So in India, like most of the bird books that you come across, are they in English? The bird names? Uh, like the, the field guides. Yeah, the field guides. No, there are. Uh, 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 I've come across birds guide, bird guides in Hindi, in Bangla, in Assamese also, uh, which is my my language. Um, uh, but the but the. The most important uh, birding guides are, of course, in um, in English. They have been translated um, to give the translators their due. They have been translated into many uh, many languages, but they won't use the the local names of the birds. They would um, the local names of the birds would be different from just a translation of the names into into uh, the. In, into the various languages. You know, India has so many languages. I don't even know what would be the correct term to use for this. So, okay. uh, yeah, it's not a translation of the word from English into uh, one of the languages here. Um, but to find the actual um, word that is used in that particular language for the bird. Okay, interesting. Um, yeah, that there's uh, yeah efforts in the us to to try to use the native american you know um, uh. names more frequently for 
the yeah you know, i've heard about spaces. this uh i think some hawaiian birders were talking about it uh, so to kind of move away from you know the kind of colonizers imposition of um terms of names of language yeah i yeah i just never really think about that in other places but yeah you make a great <laughs> point so what do you think has been the most valuable thing you've learned from birding um for me it's been patience <laughs> uh, something that I desperately need in my life. Patience, kindness, stillness, to be still. Um, I also nowadays, now that one is aging so fast, I think um, about the inconvenience of the body. You know, I think about the time when I will no longer be able to carry the heavy equipment, you know, the, the lenses, the binoculars, uh, all these things that we carry on our bodies. And, and there will come a time when we'll not be able to do it anymore. So I think about that often. And I um, I hope, you know, when that time comes, I will be able to accept accept that without regret. And, and for the moment, what I feel is gratitude. Birding has taught me to feel gratitude. Well, that's great. So if anyone wants to find out more about you and the cool things that you do, what is the best way to do that? Um, I'm trying to cut down on my social media time. So I only have one public uh, uh, account, which is the birding account on Instagram. I have a private account on Instagram, which is only for like very few people. I have deactivated my Facebook for now. My Twitter is uh, is on private mode and I don't do anything on Twitter. So I think, yeah, only, only that, um, that public page on Instagram. Um, my poetry is available. Um, a lot of it is available online. Uh, my books are available, uh, for buying, uh, all three books are on Amazon. So yeah, that's how you can find me. Well, awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing. It was so great to talk with you. Thank you so much, Hannah. I, I had a lovely time doing this. So thank you so much, Neetu, for joining me for this episode. It was so fun to learn about you. I've been following your photos for a long time on Instagram, and it was great to learn more about you and the cool things that you do. So before wrapping up this episode, I did want to mention that I'm partnering with a guiding company called Birding is the World Brazil to offer a women birders trip to Brazil in September 2024. So I hope you can make it. I'll post a link in the show notes if you want to check that out and learn more. Otherwise, thank you all so much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Maybe you learned something. You can rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Music, and anywhere else you listen to me. If you'd like to connect with me on the socials, you can do so by following me at Hannah Goes Birding on Instagram. My Twitter is at WomenBirdersHH, or you can email me at WomenBirders at gmail.com. I also have resources and information on GoBirdingPodcast.com. I hope you enjoyed this chat, and I look forward to seeing you at the next happy hour.